Hello, and welcome back to the Interlude Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Eleonora Toplinski, and I started this podcast as a way to share the stories and experiences of women who are living with cancer. Today, my guest is Tamara Smith. Tamara is a 32-year-old woman from Houston who was diagnosed with stage 2 adenoid cystic carcinoma of the submandibular gland in March of 2019. She has completed radiation therapy and as of a few weeks ago is officially cancer free. On today's episode she shares her stories and she really talks about her goals in sharing her story. She highlights the importance of empowering and uplifting young women And she also talks a lot about the importance of listening to your body and advocating for yourself. So welcome, Tamara. I'm so excited to have you join me today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about your cancer journey so far? So um, I'll start at my diagnosis. I was uh, recently diagnosed with cancer March 19th of this year. I probably was walking around with cancer for uh, a little over a year before I even noticed that, um, before I even thought, hey, I need to go to the doctor and get this checked. I had a lump in my neck as early as uh, last summer, and it grew increasingly large over a short period of time. Uh, Just going to the ER and visiting the the dentist, most of the physicians told me that it was it was more or less an issue with my wisdom teeth. Okay. So in January of this year, I got the wisdom teeth removed because they were impacted. And the oral surgeon told me that this is not a problem with your wisdom teeth. You need to see an ENT. I visited the ENT uh, shortly thereafter. And um, he told me that we could either uh, perform a biopsy on the lump, which was in my neck, or um, we can just remove it because uh, it looks as if it was in the submandibular gland, the salivary gland. Mm-hmm. So uh, he told me that it would have to come out either way. And I was freaking out at the thought of a surgery. So I was like, okay, you can just take it out because you're not going to stick a needle in my neck. <laughs> so, and what did you think it was? So I also was told that it, it could be like stones in my neck. I had gotten so many different diagnoses between uh, my the ER physicians, my PCP, the dentist. Uh, it wasn't until I met with the oral surgeon that I kind of, I got, I felt like it could be something a little bit uh, more, something more serious than a stone in my neck. Uh, like a, It's like, I don't know the name, the proper term, I can't remember, but it's something like calcification stones or something that it could have occurred. Okay. I was told that, that that was most likely what it could be. And I, then I was also told that it was an infection because of the wisdom teeth. So um, I wasn't thinking cancer. That was my last thought. Like mm-hmm. I'm only 32. I don't have any kids. I've never been married. Um, my career just started. I just started my own business. So cancer was the last thing that I was thinking. Mm-hmm. Fast forward to... Uh, so I'm at the ENT. Uh, I set a date for the surgery. So uh, he removed the gland in my neck. And then, of course, when you have your salivary gland removed, uh, you go home with a tube in your neck uh, 
and the tube is just like to drain out any uh, like the blood or anything that's left behind after surgery. And you go home with that for about two or three days. And then you have to go back to the doctor to have that removed. Well, when I went back to the uh, the doctor, maybe three or four days later, three days later to have it removed, I just I had an eerie feeling. I was with my dad and I just could t- like the way that the nurses were looking at me. And everyone was like super nice, but it was just like, I just had a, a, I had a bad feeling. And so the doctor came in and he didn't say anything. He just removed the tubes. He was, he's very, very nice, very personable, first of all. So when he didn't really say anything to me, I got, I, I, I got more afraid. I was like freaking out on the inside. So he came, he walked out and then he came back and he told me that it looked to be a, like it looked to be as if it was a cancer. Okay. Um, he told me that he had received a call from the person who had tested the actual uh, lump and she didn't have all the, that doctor didn't have all the, she hadn't had all the tests, but she was sure that it was a cancer. And he told me that when I first walked into his office, he knew I had cancer, but he just couldn't tell me. What is going through your mind when he's telling you this? I went numb. Like my body went numb. I'm about to cry just thinking about it. Like I tried to get up to leave and I literally was about to pass out. He had to pick me up and call my father who was in the waiting room and tell him to come to the back because my body just went numb. All I could think about was like death. And even if I had, like, even if I didn't think about death, I was thinking about just suffering. He continued to talk to me. He was very, very, a very patient man. He told me everything that I was feeling, it was normal. And I should feel afraid. I could be very afraid. It was okay. But I would have to uh, go to, uh, be, I would have to be seen by the radiologist for further treatments mm-hmm. because he was sure that it was, a, it was an aggressive form of cancer that would most likely come back if I did not go through additional treatment. And what happened after that? After the conversation? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, I think that you go numb, right? You, you've just been, your life just changed. What do you do from there? Do you, how did you pick yourself up and, and take that next step? I prayed. I am a praying woman. I'm young, but I prayed um, to myself. I got in the car with my dad. Um, and of course, we were like calling family members. I have a great support system in my family. Like everyone was, I mean, they have been there since the beginning and that helps me out a lot. So we, between me and my dad, we called the family and let them know uh, what was going on with my uh, diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And then I went home by myself. Uh, actually, I realized how strong I was because there was no one at my house. I live alone. So there was no one here with me um, after my surgery, which was suggested by the doctors. But I, of course, was like, no, nah, I don't want to go by anyone's house. I'm, I'm going to take care of myself. Then I went home again by myself and I prayed and I realized how strong I was and how strong I had to be during this trial. The biggest concern that I did have in the beginning, besides like dying or 
I don't even know if I was really afraid of dying. I was just afraid. I didn't want to be sick. I'm a person. I'm always on the go. So me being sick was just like a big thing for me. Me being down was like a big thing for me. And then when he said cancer, I immediately was like, oh my gosh, I can't have kids. And then he was like, no, you, you know, that was a big thing for me. I don't have any. I've never been married. You know, I'm just in my prime. So uh, the doctor told me that I would not have to worry about that. I was perfectly fine because I wouldn't, it was not in any, it wasn't in that area. The cancer was in my upper body. So that was a blessing in disguise, I, I believe. So I went home, I prayed and uh, I Googled a little bit. I Googled a lot actually in the beginning and Google was telling me I was gonna die tomorrow. So <laughs> I had to stop Googling um, and I just healed cause I still was healing from surgery. So. That was a six-week process of uh, me healing from the surgery. I went to the radiologist for my consultation. And, of course, the team, they were uh, the nurses and the, uh, the therapists, the radiation therapists and the doctor. They were very comforting and nice. Um, so I went to that appointment probably like the next week. Okay. So everything's happening really fast. It's just like when you find out you have cancer, everything just happens. It's like on, it's go mode. Okay. Surgery. Uh, then, you know, treatment and everything's happening really, really fast for me. So I don't. And then at the same time, I'm still working. I have my company. I'm staying busy. So everything happened really fast for me. I cried, but I cried a lot, actually. But I wiped my own, I wiped my own tears and I kept going. So then June, my birthday, May 7th. It's my birthday. So March 19th, I had surgery. My birthday is May 7th. I make 32. And that's the day I start treatment. And I cried <laughs> like a baby. Of course. I think there's, you know, there's no easy way to get through it, no matter how strong you are. It's, and I, I like what that doctor said to you initially is that, you know, it's okay to be afraid. That you don't have to be strong all the time. And that was my, I'm so happy you told me that. And I told him, I, I, that's all I know. It's like, I was raised to be like independent and to be a strong woman and you keep going and you don't stop and you work hard. So for me, I felt like, I felt defeated. Like my body was giving up on me. And how did and, you overcome that? How did you overcome that feeling of your body was not with you? I kind of still have those um, because I'm still, I, I, I finished treatment in June, but I still kind of have those times while I'm still tired. Um, mm -hmm. And I still, I honestly still feel sometimes I get annoyed with my body, but I keep going. I keep going. I did learn that I have to listen to my body because there were times during treatment and it was just like rid the fatigue. I almost passed out a couple of times because I was, it's very hot in Houston where I'm at. And then mm -hmm. I was very fatigued. And then I, I wasn't eating properly because it was, you know, it was hurting me because uh, I had head and neck radiation. You know, they kill the cancer cells in your throat and in your neck. And then it's burning me. To, it's burning my throat, like literally burning and it's hurting to eat anything. But as far as me overcoming how I like the issues I had with feeling defeated and being upset with my own body, I just kept going. Mm -hmm. I felt like if I stopped or if I took a break from anything, that's when I would be sick. That's when I would become the sick person. And that's my pet peeve. I hate when I don't like to be referred to as like sick. I hate that. 
That's so true. Do you have any advice for people who are going through radiation, who are exhausted, who can't eat, who have no taste? Or is there anything that you did that helped you or that worked for you that you didn't realize until you were going through treatment? To listen to your body. That's very important. You do have to accept. I don't like being referred to as, I didn't like being referred to as a sick person, but you do have to accept that you have a can that you have, you've had cancer Mm -hmm. and your body is going through a tremendous change. So that was number one for me. Once I accepted the fact, okay, I had cancer and now this is the next step to prevent it from coming back because I was diagnosed with adenoid cystic carcinoma, which is a very rare cancer. And if you research it, it has a high, uh, a high rate of coming back. Mm-hmm. So, um, just listen to your body. Once I got past that, uh, I found, I prayed to God if he, uh, cause I lost my sense of taste. So I prayed to God if he let me taste something, a little bit of something, then I would be so grateful. So if, uh, so I was eating things that was like, um, like mashed potatoes. Um, I didn't taste it, but mashed potatoes, um, things high calorie things. So, uh, I can get those nutrients, um, ensure drinks and things like that. Um, just listen to your body and keep going. Like, don't accept that this is not the end. We all have a purpose in life. And sometimes when you're sick or you going through something like this, it's not for you. It's for someone else to learn from your experience or for you to empower or and uplift others to keep going and to never give up. By sharing your story here, you know, there's so many people that will benefit that you are empowering women by sharing your story. And a lot of people say, well, I, I can't advocate because, you know, I, I'm not... I don't have this big social media following or whatever, but I think if by sharing your story, you're empowering people just by talking. Right. And if you just help one person, you don't have to <laughs> have a million followers on Instagram. I mean, if you just help one person, then you've done a service to yourself and to God and to the universe. Absolutely. How do you cope or how, you know, you mentioned that the cancer that you have has a high chance of recurrence. How do you live with that on a daily basis? Do you find that you think about that or are you able to compartmentalize that and and live your life? I would think about it uh, a lot in the beginning. Um, Throughout treatment, I would think about it a lot, Um, especially I'm only 32. So going to treatment every day, I was literally the youngest face. I was the youngest person. So seeing those uh, those those people and walking in and out of the building, a lot of them had they shared their stories and they had had recurrences of their cancer. So it was just like a, a constant reminder to me. And then I was still Googling and researching. And then I'm on Instagram looking at the hashtags. And I just had to put everything behind me and thank God, live in the moment and thank God for that each day. Each day is a blessing. And each day, if if I'm blessed with another day, then I am living in my purpose. So I just put it behind me. I don't think about it anymore. Thank you for saying that, for sharing that. Let's switch gears a little bit. And I want to talk about your company and your book and all of the work that you've been doing in that world. Oh, yay. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's a happy conversation. Absolutely. um, So tell us, tell me, tell the listeners about you and from that perspective. So I am, um, I have my own book publishing company. 
I am an editor as well, and I also do ghostwriting. TTS Publishing is my uh, book publishing company. You can find me online at www.tts-publishing.com. Uh, I recently released my first uh, book, which is entitled The Story of a Purple Heart. Uh, it is about a couple that were um, in love. The guy is severely, he's abusing the woman um, severely, emotionally, financially, physically, he abuses her. So she has a battle within herself uh, between the love she has for him and the love she has for herself. So it's a really good read. Um, It's a young couple. They're like in their mid-20s. It's fictional, but it is inspired by true events that occurred in my life. You can find it on Amazon, and you can also order it on my website www.tts-publishing.com. Awesome. And I saw that you're doing like some book tours for it. Yes. So the next stop, I live in Houston. So the next stop is in New Orleans. August 31st is my signing. Um, My book release in Houston did really well. I sold out um, and I've I've been selling out books constantly. So I'm doing really, really well with that. Um, So on the 31st in New Orleans, I have a signing. And then I'll be in Atlanta October 3rd through October 6th. That's um, Yes. And then um, at the beginning of the year, I'll be releasing my products, my school supplies that's coming out in January of next year, as well as the journal. Uh, basically, I, uh, I wrote during this whole process. Uh, about the cancer, being my, my diagnosis, uh, the treatment. So I'm going to release that journal next year sometime. And what did you write? Did you write more physically about how you were feeling or emotionally? I wrote it all. It is very, very open. I wrote how I was feeling, how people treated me, my support systems, my struggles, the points in which I felt like I wanted to die. I didn't want to go anymore because I felt like that at times. And who was your support system during treatment? My entire, I don't even want to say one person, my entire family, I have a beautiful family. They were there from the beginning. I, my grandmothers, my aunts, everyone, my mom, my dad, I mean, everyone was there for me. One of the things that young people will struggle with when they're diagnosed with cancer at a young age is how to tell your parents because it breaks their heart. And, you know, do you, how did you do it? Well, my dad was with me during the, when we found, we found out together. Yeah. Um, what about your mom? My mom is a strong woman. So uh, I call my, me and my sister are very close. My older sister, we're very close. So uh, we called her first and she's the person who's going to notify everyone in the family. That's just how it is in my family. So she called my mom and my mom, I didn't, I've never seen her cry. Like she never cried. Um, she told me that uh, she had to be strong for me. So she didn't cry. Um, and I'm very cro- close to my grandmother, my mom's mom. We're extremely close. So when she told me that everything was going to be okay, I knew that it was going to be okay. So, well, I live in Houston and they, uh, well, my mom lives here. So my mom and my dad, uh, they were, they came to a few, but I didn't really want them to. I wanted to go through everything by myself. 
mostly because some of the days when I felt snappy or just like I was going to just be mean to them, Mm -hmm. there were days I didn't want to be around anyone and I didn't want to project negative emotions onto anyone else. So it could be seen as a like slight depression or viewed as slight depression, but I just didn't want to be bothered, be bothered with, with anyone. So at some points I just wanted to be alone. So it was always offered. Everyone, even my family in New Orleans, they wanted to travel. I told mm-hmm. them, no, they don't, it was no need for them to travel. My book release was June 15th. So I was still going through treatment during my book release. Mm-hmm. And they all came down to my book release. And um, at the release, I was literally about to pass out because I was just doing too much. I was tired. And they prayed over me. Um, and I got through it. But I was very, very, it was the towards the end of treatment. So I was very tired. Um, but they came out and supported me and told me that everything was going to be okay. And we prayed and we had a good time and we celebrated. Um, and so I finished June 19th. So those last three days, I felt like crap. But I just, I had so, I was still on a high for my book release. So I just kept going, thinking about those happy thoughts. So it's so important to have something like that, that, you know, gets you through the treatment, especially at the end when it's so tough. Yes, it gave me uh, it gave me a purpose. Like I, I'm big on your purpose in life. <laughs> I am big on that because sometimes we seek um, meaning in other people or in other things. And I've learned, um, when you're by yourself and when you're single and when you have no kids, you are forced to deal with you. Mm-hmm. And it's not a bad thing. It is a great thing. It's an awesome thing. You learn who you are and then you learn your purpose. You, you, you go through this journey where you find your purpose in life. And it's a beautiful journey. Sometimes when we in life, we have um, we get in, we get so uh, consumed with our jobs and our significant others, our you know, kids and we lose who we are. So I'm just big on purpose. And especially going through this experience, I learned a lot about myself. I learned how strong I am, how fly I am, how amazing I am. And I fell in love with me all over again. What do you see as your purpose for the future? And what are your goals going forward? Continue to share my stories. I've been through a lot outside of the cancer. I've been through a whole lot in life. And so me sharing my story, I want to empower, to uplift other young women um, and to show them that we all go through trials. We all have fall. We all fall. We all have tribulations, but we have to keep going because it is a test of our faith. When we go through things, God is just testing us to see if we're going to fall and we're going to go to him. Um, So I want to just continue to speak life into young women. Uh, I also want to continue uh, to help people share their stories through my company, TTS Publishing. Writing is a a huge form of therapy for me. Of course, sometimes we do need to actually go see a therapist. But uh, even when you see a therapist, because I am a licensed therapist, uh, when you see a therapist, a a lot of the therapies are they're writing things down. Uh, So I think that uh, I want to help people share their stories through writing. That is beautiful. Is there anything else that you want to share with the audience that we haven't touched on today? 
No, I just really want everybody to go buy my book, The Story of a Purple Heart. <laughs> it is a great, great read for uh, young women who've been in an abusive relationship. Uh, you'll see yourself in the character in there. Affair is the main character in the book. You'll see yourself in her. I've gotten some great reviews on that book. So I just want everybody to go out and purchase it. And if you're in need of any type of ghostwriting, editing, publishing services, you can also contact me at at Tamara Smith at tts-publishing.com. And where can listeners find you on social media? My Instagram is stories, uh, S-T-O-R-I-E-S of O-F-A-B-A-D-D girl, stories of a bad girl. Um, And my business page is at tts-publishing. Awesome. I will post all of that in the show notes as well. So that'll be easy to reference and I'll post a link to your book. And I also want to say that I am cancer free as of June 15, 2019. I'm so happy I finished my treatment. I do have to go back for uh, the post scans, but I am in the clear. That's amazing. Congratulations. Thank you so much. This was wonderful. I so enjoyed talking to you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to my conversation with Tamara. She is an incredible woman and a fantastic writer. And I urge all of you to go buy her book. One of my favorite things that she said today was that she's doing this to share her story so that she can empower and uplift young women. And I'm so inspired by women who, while going through the hardest thing in their life, are thinking about others. And it's so brave and noble and humbling. As always, if you love this episode, and I hope that you did, please continue to tune in every week as I bring you more stories of incredible women. If you have a few minutes, I would appreciate you taking the time to leave a rating and review over on Apple Podcasts as that is the best way to help me grow the show. You can find me on all the social media platforms at Dr. Toplinski. I will post the information about where to find Tamara as well as her book on the show notes from today's episode. Thank you all again for listening and I will see all of you next week.